Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for the show. And with me today, I have my new friend and brother in Christ, Eric Johnson. Eric, welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Thanks, Dave, for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your life, marriage, ministry, and any ministry projects you're working on? Yeah, uh, well, I work with a ministry called Mormonism Research Ministry, MRM.org. We've built McKeever founded that in 1979, and uh, I have been working full-time with him since 2010, but I was volunteering starting in 1989, and uh, he moved to Utah, and I came here as well. I'm married to Terry. Uh, I met her actually on a mission trip in Utah back in 1987. I have three children, and uh, a lot of the ministry that we do is twofold. One is to share our faith with Latter-day Saints. We live here in the heart of of Utah, Mm. uh, and so in the Salt Lake City area. So we have so many opportunities in this valley. And we also like to instruct at churches and other places and help Christians be able to not only know what Mormonism teaches, but to be able to have good reasoning to how, how to share their faith in a productive manner. That's awesome, brother. That's awesome. Well, thank you for what you do. It's so important, you know, having lived in Idaho, which I I think they've actually done some studies on southern Idaho, the Boise area is the most condensed Mormon area in in the in the world. You know, it's 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 a difficult field to to work in and to plow and to talk about. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing there. So well, got. You're welcome. Well, we're talking today with you about this new book, Introducing Christians to Mormons, a practical and comparative guide to what the Bible teaches. You know, you, you got the four by Micah Wilder. We've had him on and he's such mm-hmm. a great guy. Guys, uh, here's the book uh, on video. Um, can you tell us about this book, why you wrote it and how, how, how it is being received? I think it's out now, right? It's not out until September 13th, but it is out for pre-sale for anybody who would like to get the book. Uh, they can order it and it'll be at their, on their doorstep September 13th. The book is different than other books that I've written because this is not dealing so much with what Mormonism is, but more as to what Christianity is and presenting it to someone with the LDS worldview. Uh, the book came about in August of 2020. My daughter, Hannah, had come to me. She was working at a, a an a medical office and one of the nurses had left Mormonism, wanted to know what it was that Christianity taught. I looked at my bookshelf. Uh, none of the books on Christianity were going to suffice because it just it's a different language that Mormons speak. So you can tell somebody about the basics of the faith, but if you don't really understand what the Mormon is understanding when you use those terms, mm. then the the conversation will not be productive. So we um we talked about it, and I said, boy, this is a book that needs to be written. Uh, she, uh, she agreed. That afternoon, I'm mowing the grass, and I thought, you know, it's COVID. We're not able to do much. Why don't I take this opportunity to write this book? And that's what I did over the next months. Harvest House agreed to uh, print that. And uh, yes, yeah, so it, here it is two years later coming out, and I'm very excited about it because I think this will be helpful for here's great. 
This is going to be helpful, I think, for people who really have good conversations with Latter-day Saints, but they misunderstand what the Mormon is receiving when they're telling them about who God is, who Jesus is, the Trinity, uh, salvation by grace, because the Mormon will agree to a lot of those things and say, yeah, we believe that as well. But the problem is they're misunderstanding what we mean, and unless we communicate with them in a way that gets feedback, we can talk for two hours with somebody and walk away thinking, boy, you know, I guess we're all going to the same place. We're all going to heaven. They're brothers in the Lord. But you didn't allow them to explain what exactly it was they did believe in when it came to those terms. That's why I mm. think this book is going to be important. Yeah. We were just talking, you know, before we recorded and I had a I had an experience like that where I talked to, you know, when I lived in southern Idaho, Boise area for four hours. I think it was like four hours, felt like four hours. You know, it might have been less than that, but just talking with the guy for four hours and sharing the gospel, you know, justification and the whole nine yards with him. And I thought I thought he was getting it. And then I noticed, you know, he kind of had that glazed over look <laughs> where you're like, OK, I'm not I'm not getting through to him at all. And so then I happened to look back and at his car and I said, oh, you listen to Caleb. I'm like, so do you do you hear the gospel in there? And I'm and I was thinking, mm. You probably, you might, I mean, you might, who knows, you know, um, I haven't listened to Caleb in a long time, but, uh, he, he said, yeah. And I was like, so what do you tell me what you hear? And, um, you know, it got kind of, he, he, you could tell he wanted to go. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, that was, that was a kind of a, like you're talking about, it was an instructive thing for me. Cause I, I thought about that encounter. And uh, realized, you know, what? I probably didn't do as well as I could have and that I didn't ask him any questions I, um, about what he believed and why he believed it, even though I knew some of that. Um, yeah. And so, you know, those are those are things, even if you fail in your evangelism in, in engaging with somebody, you can still you should and think about those encounters, even if you did well, there's always something that we can do better. So, you know, we were, we were talking. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to say, I think you were on the right track, though, uh, because uh, asking the person what the gospel is is a great question and finding out what he says the gospel is. And he might use generic language. Then you can ask the question, well, what do you mean when you say you're saved by the atonement and by grace through faith? Uh, let me understand what exactly I want to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. That's what I heard you say. Could you help me with that? Let them tell you the gospel. And uh, and if you know enough about Mormonism to be able to say, well, what about this? What about that? I think I think you were really at, at, at the cusp of, of uh, a great conversation, making the Latter-day Saint explain his side without assuming. And that's, I think, the problem we do all the time is when we're talking to people, we assume they know what we're talking about when it's just going over their head. And we talk past each other real quickly. So so anyway, I, I just think uh, that when you ask that question about the gospel, uh, are you hearing the gospel? And he says, yeah, I think the question you could have asked is, well, what is that gospel that they're preaching on this radio station? And yeah. and you'll be surprised what kind of heresies you'll hear when you ask them to explain <laughs> what it is that we believe. Yeah. I usually ask people now, who do you think Jesus is? And uh, I get some I get some pretty interesting answers. So sure. I, got, I got a little bit more specific now. Uh, probably as a result of that encounter uh -huh. years ago. So it's really good. Well, 
You know, brother, I've been talking a lot about the doctrine of scripture on this podcast. And so I've been asking guests um, about that as relates to their book. Um, how should a good understanding of the doctrine of scripture affect how we engage Mormons? Oh, it should be primary uh, because otherwise all we have to offer is a mere opinion. Uh, Latter-day Saints are told Joseph Smith uh, Jr. is the founder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's the official name of this church. They're told that um, Article 8 of the 13 Articles of Faith created by this man back in the 1840s uh, is that the Bible is true as far as it's translated correctly. So unfortunately, when you're talking to a Latter-day Saint, even though the Bible is one of their four standard works, the King James Version specifically, they have three others, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and the Doctrine and Covenants. But when, when the Bible gets brought up, you'll be surprised at how little they really trust it. They'll talk about contradictions. They'll start quoting Bart Ehrman, or they'll they'll bring things up, and you go, well, they'll, they'll bring up the... Um, the telephone game. And you go, well, I thought you believed in the Bible. Well, yeah, but it's not really accurate. It's not really true. But see, here's the thing. That's why I spent two chapters on the Bible of the 10 chapters, because if you don't have a clear understanding of why it is that we believe the Bible to be the inerrant, infallible word of God, then uh, uh, we're just, uh, anybody can bring an opinion. You can watch news uh, in the different uh, news stations, and everybody has all kinds of opinions. But what do we have? The only authority we have is God's word. It does not return void. It is authoritative. It is capable of answering the questions that Latter-day Saints say they have the answers to. Where did we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? I think the Bible does an excellent job of doing that. We just need to be able to use it. To do that, we're going to have to probably answer some of their objections. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Bible is, we would say, as a result of what you said, the Bible is its own best interpreter. So yeah. we got to get, I've been telling people, get get in the Bible. And it yeah. sounds so, it sounds so Sunday school and trite, but really the, the, it's not really trite if you think about it. What else do we have to offer people? Not, we don't have, we have nothing else to offer people. So if you're going to engage the Mormon, you got to take them back to the Bible and say, hey, this is what the Bible is. Uh, how do you, how do you deal with Revelation 22, um, which talks about adding to the Bible? What do you, what do you do with that uh, on top of the books that you have? How do you, how do you deal with that? Um, and we've got to ask questions or I think we also have to ask questions that are rooted in the text of scripture. Because this this again takes us back to the, to actually getting people into the Bible to actually see what it what it says and what it means. And I don't think yeah. I know that they have seminary and where they are taught that uh, since I didn't and I know you didn't either, but you're more of an expert in this area. I'm not sure to what degree they're in the Bible and those kind of things, but well, just, well, they it, do. They they do study the Bible, um, and so we we do need to give them that credit. Right now, they're they're doing a series called "Come Follow Me," and every week they're studying. Uh, this year in 2022, they're studying the Old Testament. Next year, they're going to study the New Testament. So, in the seminary is high school level, four years. That's uh, outside of the school. They go to a seminary building here in Utah. They're right across the street from every high school, and so for four years they're learning. And so one. One year they'll do the Old Testament, and then the other year they'll do the New Testament, and they do the Book of Mormon and church history. So, so they do do that. Uh, however, um, the 
the teaching that they're getting is very much through a strainer of what the church wants them to know. So there's a lot of proof texting that goes on. Uh, you mentioned Revelation 22. Um, that verse, uh, a Mormon's going to argue on, and he's going to say, well, that's talking about the book of Revelation. And I believe that's true. I think that book verse is talking about particularly that particular book, not the Bible that hadn't been put together yet. However, when the other scriptures are are put together. I'm talking Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and Pearly Great Price. Those are the three of the four, and, and those are the three unique standard works. They're called the standard works, those four together. But when you start learning what they have to say, this is the problem. Galatians 1, 8, 9. If anyone preaches a gospel other than the one I preach to you, let him be accursed. And Paul repeats himself in the next verse. Well, why does he say that? Because there are a lot of people who are sounding very good. The Judaizers back in Paul's day, the book of Galatians, they believed that Jesus was the Christ. They believed salvation uh, came through him. And yet they were saying, well, you have to do a couple other things. You have to take care of uh, the circumcision issue and your um, dietary issue. Take care of those things as well. And now you're really fully in. And Paul said that was a whole nother gospel. So that's our problem. Not so much that they've added to it. And I think that's wrong. Uh, the Bible is not to be added to. We have our 39 books of the Old Testament and 27 of the New, certainly we have the standardized canon. We don't believe in adding to that. However, what I even have a bigger problem with than just the fact that they've added to it is what they've added to it is contrary, much of it, not all of it. There's a lot of verses in the Book of Mormon I actually use to support the idea that what Christianity teaches. And so I can use those verses like Moroni 8.18 or Mosiah 3.5, both verses found in the Book of Mormon that claim that God is from everlasting to everlasting. Well, praise God, that's what we believe in Psalm 90 verse 2. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And I agree with Moroni 8.18 and, and Mosiah 3.5. But when you look at some of the other things, and especially the Doctrine and Covenants, that's where Joseph Smith writes down most of what unique Mormonism teaches today. Yeah, and what you did there, I, I, I really want to highlight that because um, what you just showed is you can actually use what they believe uh, to show the validity of what the Bible you know, teaches. Yeah. Um, so, so we do reject we do reject those three additional books, but yeah, th and definitely. that doesn't mean that you're suggesting or I am that they're binding and authoritative and infallible or any any sort of thing because they're not. But we can still use them to because they use them, and so we can use them to use as as I think we would say a launching pad for a conversation. Say, hey, you believe this, and the Bible says this too. Hey, let's talk about that. Yeah, and and you can ask the Latter Day Saint. How do you think we got our Bible? Because notice what Article 8 said. It says the Bible is true as far as it is translated correctly. Well, what's translation? It's from one language to the other. The Hebrew and Aramaic in the Old Testament, the Koine Greek in the New Testament, uh, that goes into English or whatever language you're going to translate into. That's not what the Latter-day Saint means by that. It's not what Joseph Smith meant. He meant not translation, but, but, but transmission. Because if you ask a Latter-day Saint, can you tell me uh, what that means, translated? And they'll tell you, oh, a lot of corrupt priests, they got together and they changed, they took parts out, plain and precious truths, they added things in, we can't fully trust the Bible. Well, that's transmission. And I talk about that in the book because 
we have a lot of evidence to say that the Bible we have today is very accurate to what the autographs would have said. We have over 5,000 Greek manuscripts, 24,000 in other languages. We even have the whole scroll of Isaiah in the Old Testament from the Dead Sea Scrolls, Cave 1. We have this uh, from 125 BC. We have 11 caves in, in the Qumran area in, uh, near the Dead Sea in, in, in Israel. And mm. those scrolls uh, show that the earliest copies we had before 1947 was the Masoretic text going back to the 10th century. It bridged the gap by a thousand years. And when you take a look at Isaiah chapter 53, it prophesies the same Jesus as we believe today. It teaches the same God, Isaiah 43, 10, Isaiah 44, 6, and 8. You go through Isaiah 43 through 46, very clearly telling us that there's one God. That, that was documented here. So I think mm -hmm. that's important for the Latter-day Saint to know that to say, it's easy to say, oh, there's just a bunch of people who got in there and corrupted it. But what evidence do you have for that? Mm, yeah, it's really good. Really good. Yeah. How are you? How are you proving that? How yeah. are you? How are you going to demonstrate it? And, and a lot of people just want to say, well, I just believe it. And because I'm then I'm told and it's like, well, where's the evidence for it? Right. That's and right. You don't have you don't have evidence. Well, you, in order to make an argument, you have to have evidence to to support it. I mean, if you go to any school of any kind and get any kind of degree, you're told to write a paper and therefore you have to present the evidence. And we don't do the same when we're talking about, you know, the Bible and evidence or Christianity. We're just about saying whatever we want to say or whatever thing a thing means and no evidence, no support. And that that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, when you're out in the academic realm, you have to provide evidence to support your claims. Yeah, I mean, we call it inference to the best explanation. We want to take a look at all that's offered in the marketplace and ask ourselves, okay, we have our view, but can it stand up to the test of scrutiny? Uh, a lot of Latter-day Saints don't like evidence. They'll say, well, I have faith. I prayed about it. I believe that God has given me uh, what has been called a burning in the bosom. It's it's a good feeling that they have. Well, the Bible says that the heart is deceptfully wicked. Who can understand it? Mm -hmm. How do you know your feeling is trustworthy in a case where the evidence goes against what you believe? This is the hard part, getting a Latter-day Saint to honestly evaluate or reevaluate his, his worldview because he's been taught from primary, they call it, the youngest age, all the way through seminary, institute, in college. They have these different classes. They're very well educated in their beliefs. And when you talk to one Latter-day Saint, you've talked to a thousand of them. But the question is, if what they believe is true, I need to join that. But you're showing, you got to show me the evidence because I think evidence does matter, as you're pointing out, Dave. I mean, when you cross the street, what do you do? If you're smart, you're going to look one way and then the other. Why did you do that? Why did you just have the faith to cross the street? Because, well, it just makes sense. You've got to go with where the evidence is. No cars are coming. I cross the street. People who don't follow the evidence are going to be run over real quickly. Yeah, that's really good. You know, we've seen the campaign in the last, I don't know, maybe decade. You would know probably better than I would. You know, the commercial are Mormons, Christians, and they've done a huge campaign, you know, on social media. They're masters at search engine optimization, as you well no same with the jehovah's witnesses so are are mormons christians how, and how should biblically rooted and orthodox christians respond to that 
Well, basic answer, if you believe in what Mormonism teaches, no, they're not Christian. And a lot of Latter-day Saints say, well, yes, we are. You can get into a battle on that. It goes tennis, back and forth, ping pong. And and I don't want to get into that battle. But at the same time, I, I do want to say there are distinct differences. And so they'll say, no, we're the same as you are. Uh, I say, well, okay, look, can we take a look at some of the things that are possibly the same. I want to make sure that we're on the same page with this. Uh, Can you tell me what you mean by grace, for instance? And they'll say, well, grace is God's enabling power to keep the commandments. I say that's completely different uh, from what Christianity teaches. I'll quote Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We all know Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We're saved by grace through faith. This is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. Uh, Latter-day Saints have a verse that competes with that. Second Nephi 25, 23 in the Book of Mormon says that we're saved by grace after all we can do. Ask the question, how much can we do? You use the term Mormon, and I want to I make this clear because this book's title is Introducing Christianity to Mormons. I know it's controversial, those first two words. A lot of Latter-day Saints are going to tune out. This book wasn't created for them. Uh, for a true blue Mormon, it's created for somebody who's willing to at least take a look at the other side, or maybe they have left the church. So that's going to not get me very far in a conversation. Introducing Christianity, we are Christians too. But just in 2018, Dave, uh, the the top leader of the church, his name is Russell M. Nelson. He was told by God, he claims at night in uh, mm-hmm. in the fall of 2018, that the word Mormon is offensive to Jesus, that he's offended whenever that's used, because it's taken the name of the church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, and, and so they actually took what was a great brand name, and they took it away. So you could go to the website, uh, www.lds.org abbreviation for Latter-day Saint, or www.mormon.org. They took that away. Now when you type it, it goes to their official website, the the church or churchofjesuschrist.org. Yes, they've had I Am a Mormon campaign. They did that 10 years ago. I Am a Mormon was a big deal. Uh, Many leaders have used it throughout the years. It's fascinating that Jesus waited until 2018 to tell the leader of the church that he's offended with that. But I'm not going to, I'm not doing that to offend them on purpose. But at the same time, I I want to be able to communicate. For me to title this book, Introducing Biblical or Evangelical Christianity to Members of the Church of Jesus Christ, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they think either term is fine. I'm not going to call them the Church of Jesus Christ because I don't think they are. Is too laborious. This is a, um, a simple title. I think Christians are going to get it. Mormon has been historically used. I meet many Mormons who who still say, call me Mormon, but uh, it's, it's a simple way to explain. But using the term Christian, uh, uh, I, I stay away from that realm if I can, but when the differences are said or, or are made, I need, to, I need to point out, hey, listen, we're talking apples and oranges. I mean, Mormon, I'm not a Mormon. Uh, you know, uh, or, or should I claim to be a Mormon, even though I, I think that Joseph Smith was a false prophet of God, the Book of Mormon is not true scripture. And I don't think you have to join this church in order to go to the celestial kingdom, which is what they call the best they can get. And they say, and but I call myself a Mormon. That makes no sense. See, Christian has a historical meaning to it. And the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has taken away that meaning because they say there was a great apostasy. 
all of Christianity died soon after the death of the apostles, and Joseph Smith restored the true church in 1830. I disagree. So let's talk about our differences. We can agree to disagree, and we can talk politely, because I love Latter-day Saints. If I hated Latter-day Saints, the worst thing I could do is what? Ignore them and just mm. say, you know, okay, if I believe in hell, you're going to hell, so what? No, I moved here because I really care about these uh, wonderful people who just need sometimes a clear gospel presentation. Mm, that's really good. You know, we're talking about, you know, Mormonism, and you mentioned the the differences. So. How important is it for Christians to understand the Mormon definitions of the terms that they use? Oh, it's crucial. If you don't, you're going to talk past each other. You'll you'll not understand what they're saying. And so in the back of this book, I had to fight a little bit with the publisher to keep the glossary of usage uh, of the different terms we use. But uh, so anytime a unique term is used in the book, I italicize it to let you know. I'm not going to define it here, but go to the back and you can find out. But when we're talking salvation, what is salvation? Well, there's two types of salvation in Mormonism. For Christians, we have different types too. We have justification, justification by faith alone. We have sanctification. We have glorification. Those are categories we use. Under justification, we have terms like grace and mercy and imputation, atonement, redemption. Those are all terms that are theological terms. Well, Mormons have uh, the same kind of terms usually, but they have different meanings. And so with salvation, there's two types of salvation. The first type is called uh, general salvation. Uh, this is the idea that all people who are born on this earth are actually going to go to uh, one of three kingdoms of glory, they call it, the celestial, terrestrial, and telestial kingdoms. They get to go there you all get to go there. You and I get to go there because of obedience in a previous life called the preexistence. We once lived as spirit children of heavenly father and heavenly mother, and we had to choose between Jesus and Lucifer as to the plan of salvation for the world. Uh, Lucifer's plan was not good. Jesus's was. So two-thirds of us chose Jesus. We're, we're here on this earth to progress. Lucifer uh, became Satan and took one third of our brothers and sisters with him, and they are um, they are the demons of the world. So, so by being born in this world, the Mormons going to say I'm saved by grace. That I uh, the atonement of Jesus saved me. That's what he means. Immortality. The church will agree with me on this. Go look it up on their their website. You can cheat by going to lds.org and it'll get you over to their real website. But uh, but they say it's immortality. But if you want to go to the very best this religion has to offer, which is called the celestial kingdom, then you're going to have to do several things. One is join this church, get baptized. You're going to have to be confirmed. You're going to have to go to the temple. Uh, you have to get a temple recommend to go in there. You're going to get married for time and eternity. And then quite simply, Dave, all you have to do is keep all the commandments continually. And unless you do, where I am, you cannot go. That's Doctrine and Covenants, section 25, verse 15. <laughs> That's pretty much impossible. But they believe if they kept all the commandments, they will get what's called eternal life or the celestial kingdom or exaltation. Those are all, those are all synonymous words. So eternal life is not the first one, general salvation. That is just more immortality. Eternal life is being able to become gods and goddesses in the next life. And they cannot tell you, if you ask them, if you were to die right now, would you go to the very best that this your religion has to offer? And they're going to tell you, I'm trying, I'm doing my best. They'll give you all these excuses. And trying is great, 
But it's a mission of failure when the church teaches, according to 1 Nephi 3, 7, that God doesn't give commandments that can't be kept. Every commandment can be kept. How are you doing at that? Ask that question. Mm. And they cannot, they cannot tell you with assurance of what 1 John 5, 13 says the Christian should have assurance of. You may know you have eternal life. Latter-day Saints don't know that. I think that's very sad. There's a lot of depressed Mormons who are trying hard, and it's wonderful that they are good people trying to do their best, but they can't do what Jesus already accomplished on the cross. Mm, that's really good. And you and you made a good point. It's something that, you know, it's kind of like if you really want to find out what's happening in our culture, now go to the White House website and go to the press version. If you really want to know what's happening with Mormons, they have it right on their website. Right. Yeah. Maybe not on their statement of faith. I'm not saying that because they don't. <laughs> you know, it's kind of ambiguous their statement of faith. You know. Yeah. Uh, but they have they have information about their do uh, doctrine and teaching and the various presidents and the prophets and all of that on their website. So you can go there and then you know with the Bible open in hand, you know, and discover what they teach, and you'll find you'll get the you'll get the most accurate information, and then you can. With this this great book here too, uh, you'll have you'll be equipped to you know answer you know your neighbor's questions. Like if you live listen to this podcast, if you're in Idaho or California or some other area, we have a we have a Mormon uh, uh, excuse me, it's, it's not it's stake right? It's a stake or a it, it depends. It's it's a chapel or it could be a stake center or it could be a ward that meets there. Wards will meet, so they're a grouping yeah. of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So a stake is like six to eight, I think, uh, different wards that are smaller, like 500. And then the stake puts them all together. Yeah. So it's really good. Really good. Well, what's the big difference between Mormon's view of, of God and the Book of Mormon versus how God is revealed in the 66 books in the Word of God? Quite simply, as and we have a book called Mormonism 101, and it does a better job than this book of showing the differences by citing a lot of their leaders. And, and we all the website as well, mrm.org. We have another place they can go, crashcoursemormonism.com. And that goes to our website with some articles that are real basic under 2,000 words. So there's lots of places to find out this information. And it can be a little tricky, Dave. It's not easy until you have experience with this because even – Reading their website, you might not really fully grasp it until you really get to the nitty gritty, and then you know how to ask those right questions. But when it comes to who God is, well, Mormonism teaches that God is a man, has a body of flesh and bones, lived once in a previous realm, who worshipped a God, uh, and that that God worshipped a God, infinite regress. I mean, literally, that God could have been a sinner. He died. He became the God of this world, and uh, he procreates with heavenly mothers. There's actually polygamy in heaven, and uh, the idea that Mormonism teaches is that we are a chip off the old block. We have the potential to become gods ourselves. There's a little couplet by fifth president Lorenzo Snow. Uh, in 1840, he came up with this little couplet that Joseph Smith said it was doctrine. It said this, as man is, God once was. As God is, man may be. So the idea that God was once a human being on another world, that he has a body of flesh 
and blood today, that is very much what Mormonism teaches. And the idea that if you do everything you're supposed to and you get married in the temple and you learn special tokens, they are called, or handshakes that come from masonry and get a new name, that you have the potential to go to the celestial kingdom where your family can be together forever. Well, Christianity says that's not true. The Christianity says from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. That is Psalm 90 verse two. And I mentioned that's found in uh, LDS scripture, uh, Book of Mormon as well. I, I, I mentioned Isaiah 43, 10. There's no God before or after God. God says, show him to me. Uh, mm. God, God says, Isaiah 44, six and eight. He says, I don't know of any other God. Uh, I mean, we can go through the scripture very, very uh, precisely. Mm. And uh, Latter-day Saints don't like to be called polytheists because they say, well, yeah, we do worship. We, we do worship God, the father, but we don't have uh, we don't we don't worship the other gods before. Well, that's still polytheism. Poly, polytheism says there's the existence of many gods. At best, it's henotheism or henotheism. Henotheism says that uh, you only worship one God, but you believe in the existence of many gods. No, Deuteronomy 6, 4 is cited every single uh, Saturday in uh, Jewish synagogues. Jesus cited it when he's asked, which is the greatest command? Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord thy God. The Lord is Achad, is one. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, God is one of essence, not just one of the one that we worship and all these other millions of gods that are out there. That mm. is a huge problem. If you have the wrong God, your whole gospel is going to unravel quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I was thinking of Exodus three fourteen, which, you know, yeah. Jesus is in the gospel. John saying, I am, I am who I am. I mean, yeah. what do you do with, what do you do with that? And, you know, uh, other, other things, just say, just to your point, you know, it just all unravels. So yeah, good stuff. Well, how should, how should Christians handle the topic of Mormons are also saved by grace when describing justification, when engaging in conversations with Mormons? Yeah, I, I, I think, again, you're going to have to really know uh, what he's thinking. And so when you say grace, they're thinking of what I mentioned earlier, 2 Nephi 25, 23, they're saved by grace after all you can do. So ask the question, you know, uh, do you believe you're saved by grace? Yes, I am. Okay, so with what I just explained, immortality versus eternal life, if, if everybody kind of tracked with me on that, then you can say, let me quite, let me get this down then. So you're telling me you're exalted by grace or am I immortality? I'm immortal through grace and it's immortal. You, you are, you've been made immortal. You're going to get to one of three kingdoms of glory. There's not really a hell in Mormonism. That doesn't do me any good when the very best this religion has to offer is being with my family forever. And unless I make that choice here in this earth and make that decision where I'm going to follow him and I do everything I'm supposed to do, I won't have a chance in the next life to change that. Uh, their scripture is very clear on this in Alma chapter 34. Even though they do baptisms for the dead in the temple, most of the work is done on behalf of the dead. Uh, their scripture says, if you had the chance that you you can't say, uh, well, you know, let me do it after this life. A lot of Latter-day Saints think that, but they haven't read uh, Alma chapter 34 very closely. 
And even Spencer W. Kimball in his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, says today is the day of salvation. I agree with that. Hebrews 9.27 and 2 Corinthians 6.2 say that there first is life and then comes the judgment. You know, I mean, I mean there's no there's no opportunity in the next life to cry uncle. There are going to be many who say, Lord, Lord, look at all the good things I did. Matthew 7. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. So this is crucial that we understand what grace means. And I'm hoping the Christian has enough understanding to be able to explain it's a free gift. It's getting something I don't deserve. I admittedly don't deserve grace. I don't Mm. deserve mercy. Mercy is Mm. not getting what you do deserve. I mean, Mm. God uh, should punish us. It says in Romans 3.23, we've all sinned. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That's pretty bad news, and we got to share that when we share with people the gospel. But I like the fact that there's a comma in my English Bible right after it gets done saying the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gift we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have the opportunity to not ask the question that Mormonism and all other world religions ask. They ask the question, what do I have to do for God? Islam, five pillars of belief. I I mean, all the different religions. If I'm Buddhist, I have to meditate. Uh, I have to get to nirvana by doing that. Uh, All Mm. these things that people say you have to do through religion. But Christianity doesn't ask the question, what do I do for God? Rather, it asks the question, what did God do for me? And when I understand what imputation is, and I talk about it in chapter seven in the book, imputation is getting credit for righteousness that's not your righteousness, but Jesus's. And so Latter-day Saints, when I'm talking about this with them, they like to say, well, I'm not perfect. Do you think you're perfect? I like to surprise them and say, yes, I do think I'm perfect. Forensically, I am. They go, well, what makes you say that you're perfect? I mean, I'm sure I could find all kinds of things you do. Oh, yeah, I'm a tough nut. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I still sin. I, I struggle with sin. That's what we do as humans. Paul did as well, if you read Romans. But see, the thing is, I'm not depending on my works to get me the justification. I'm depending on his works. He said it is finished on the cross. There's the gift of eternal life. And I think every Christian has to be able to do that in just a few minutes, explain the gospel in such a way that they understand that's not the gospel that they've been taught from primary on, uh, because Mormonism's gospel of grace, it denies the very understanding of what Mm -hmm. that means according to the Bible. Ah oh, man, that's good. That good. That's that's really good. Well, you know, Mormons they like to come to our house. They like to ring our doorbell, knock on our door. They might even come find you when you're mowing the grass and yeah. want to have a conversation with you. Right. Or you at a bus station. Uh, what are some keys for Christians? Um, you know, biblically minded Christians, biblically rooted Christians. Some keys when talking with a Mormon missionary. Well, and they. They're not knocking on doors very much, especially since COVID. Um, They're more relying on what they call golden contacts, people who uh, connect them through through the church and, hey, you got to visit this person or somebody moves into a neighborhood. But um, they do. They all come occasionally. I haven't come to my house in quite a time. uh, And I know in our neighborhood they haven't been knocking on doors. But when they do, I think the most important thing, Dave, that you can understand is that this is a 18-year-old kid 
19. Uh, the, the boys serve two years starting at the age of 18. So they're 18 to 20 years old. The females are 19 to 20 and a half. They serve a year and a half. You have to understand they, their knowledge is very limited. They went to high school. They graduated most likely. And now they are out on this mission. How many 18-year-old theologians go to your church, Dave? I don't think I have very many at mine. So they're not going to know everything. And that's fine. That's where you ask questions. That's where you, you find out where are they from? Uh, what did they do when they were in high school? You know, what sports did they play? You know, ask some questions like that to kind of get it to a friendly start. But if you start in why, well, you guys aren't Christian and you're all going to hell. Well, what's that going to do? I, Jesus said to be as innocent as doves, but shrewd as serpents. I think we need to, you know, get to know the person a little bit and just say, Hey, I, I have some questions. Would you be willing to answer them? Mm. Uh, and you can ask, you can go any direction you want. I like to ask a very common question. It's been around for years. I didn't create it, but I just curious if you were to die right now, do you know you would get the very best your religion has to offer? And hear what they have to say, because I understand you guys believe in what's called the celestial kingdom. Am I getting that right? You know, I heard that you guys uh, uh, believe that you can be with your family forever. Do you know if you died right now, you'd be with your family forever and you'll hear the hem hawing because they can't really say yes, because they're not perfect yet. They know they're not perfect. So they'll say things like, well, I'm doing my best or I'm trying. Have compassion because they are trying. They're doing their best. That's wonderful. But then look for little opportunities for them to tell their side of what they believe, but then be ready to say, would you, have you ever had an evangelical Christian tell you the gospel from their perspective, what we believe the Bible teaches? And very likely, depending on where you live, I mean, if you live in the Bible Belt, maybe there have been some Christians who have tried. Uh, here in Utah, fewer than 2% of everybody who lives here go, is an evangelical Christian. So there's a lot of people slipping through the net here, you know, so they might not have ever heard the gospel when they come to my door. So I might be the only one who gets to do that. So I can maybe share that and encourage them to read the Bible as our friend Michael Wilder, uh, as a little child, he was told by a, a Christian pastor. I think that's the best advice. Suggest to them, read the book of John, maybe even consider getting a modern translation of the Bible, an ESV or NIV, whatever your favorite uh, modern translation, put it next to the King James. The missionaries don't understand. I mean, who understands that that's from 1769, originally 1611. Who understands all of these and the thous? It's very hard to understand. A modern translation can be very helpful in helping us to understand what it is. Put them side by side and you can see they're saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Challenge them. And you never know. I have a friend who's a Christian today, Dave. Uh, but when he was on his mission, a friend of mine who lived in Northern California, he's passed away since. He saw these two missionaries with a potential convert in the restaurant. He walked up to them, introduced himself, said he was a former professor at BYU, but now he's an evangelical Christian. He shared one verse. That's all he shared with this uh, five minutes he was there. And that mm -hmm. verse destroyed my friend. And when he came back, he went to atheism because that's where most Mormons go after they, uh, atheism, agnosticism or nothing at all, 45% according to the polls. And, and it wasn't until later that he understood Jesus. He had to get out of the church first, but in five minutes, my friend was able to give him a verse that just blew him out of the water and uh, caused him to doubt that he could keep all the commandments as he was told he had to do. It's mm, really good. Yeah, you know, suppose somebody has an LDS relative or family member and 
How should Christians share their faith when trying not to cause problems at Christmas dinner or even family reunions? Yeah, that's a really good question, Dave. I, I have Mormon relatives on my wife's side, about half of my wife's family. She never was Mormon, but she does have a lot of relatives. And so I do the family reunions. What are the two things we're not supposed to talk about? Religion <laughs> and politics, right? I mean, those are the two things that cause Thanksgiving meals to become, you know, let's throw food at each other. Uh, I would say um, don't be a jerk and yeah. listen and just understand that uh, they they probably know if, you know, my my wife's family, they know what I do. And so they don't like it, but they treat me, they treat me well. And so I look for those opportunities. So if I'm talking to one of those relatives and they bring up something and I have a chance to ask them a question, because I think the book Tactics by Greg Kokel is probably the best book to tell you how to do this. The Columbo tactic, he calls it. And I think it's an excellent tactic to use. I encourage people to read that book as well. But so ask a question. So help me to understand a little bit about what you believe about that. Ask it innocently. See, here's the thing. We as Christians so often want to try to answer everybody, or we want to tell the Latter-day Saints where what he or she believes. Instead, let them do the talking. Let them bring up the issues. And then ask another question until you get to a place where you can say, well, would you like to know what I think about that? Or maybe they'll ask you, well, what do you think about that? You win the right to be able to be heard and do that. So, so, uh, so just try not to be too forceful, especially if you're a new Christian. Uh, you just left Mormonism. I think the reaction usually is, oh, I'm going to tell them all. Well, you just alienated everybody. And that's not going to be good. And I'm not saying that my tactic has won anybody in my wife's family, but at the same time, at least they have heard the gospel, many of them, and they just reject it. And by the way, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the gospel itself. We're only in sales, as I write in the book, God's in production. If God wants what he wants, he's going to get it. And if not, then, you know, you've done the very best possible job to explain what it is that we as Christians believe. Mm, that's really good. You know, as may, as we head and towards start to land the plane, um, I think some people are like probably at this point wondering, OK, so I've I've got all this down. I need to be clear on how I'm using my language and and stuff and asking questions. But they might be wondering, OK. Okay, Eric, how do I deal with objections that that come my way? How do I and how do I overcome them? Well, uh, objections uh, when when people are up. Uh, let me just make sure I'm understanding. So you're saying when people are saying this is not true and here's my response back to you. I just want to make yeah, sure. I'm yeah, clear. exactly. Exactly. So yeah. they're talking, their Christian is talking to a Mormon Yeah, and, uh, and they have, the Mormon has, you know, it's given objections they're given pushback. How, yeah. how, how should they do? I think that's wonderful because isn't that what the Bible says? Come, let us reason together. And so you keep your voice even you don't, you know, you don't raise it. And, ah, you know, I think your, your facial expression needs to not be rolling eyes when they say something that you actually listen. You know, it's said that we have two ears and only one mouth and we need to actually listen to what they have to say. And then when they say something, then you can either respond and explain what their question or what their statement was. Or you can ask your question again to get the offense put into your hands by putting it now their defense. Now they have to respond to the question you ask. And so there's a lot of tactics that go on there. But but when they when they are giving objections and, you know, you've 
you're done when they say, well, I testify to you. That's the famous, I'm going to give you two minutes of my testimony, they call it, and then I'm going to walk away. When you hear that, it's over. They're not going to continue on. But as long as you... Uh, as long as you're being reasonable and you are, um, and it's obvious that you're listening, you're not talking over them, you're not interrupting them. I think you can have extended conversations with Latter-day Saints and you might give them something to think about as my friend Dave had somebody do for him uh, some 25 years ago in a restaurant in California. Mm, it's really good. Well, Eric, where can people go to find out more about you on social media or otherwise, brother? I, I'm not a big social media guy. I'm an old guy. So, uh, so I, 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 we have a website, mrm.org. That's the best we have. We have the, uh, literally hundreds and hundreds of articles, videos. We have a podcast of our own, Viewpoint on Mormonism. We have over 3,000 in an index. You can see all of those. But five days a week, we're on five different – we're going to be in the sixth radio station now uh, this next week. So uh, – we're going to be in Hawaii now on Honolulu, which has a lot of Latter-day Saints. So that is a podcast as well, 14 minutes in length. You can you can go to mrm.org slash podcast. But if you wanted to learn more about this book, introducingchristianity.com would be a place to go. I have links on where you can go online to find the book on Amazon or christianbooks.com. Uh, and uh, so I have some bells and whistles there. I've written this book as an educator because I taught for almost two decades in Southern California, uh, both high school and college classes. And so I, I give an introduction that has a paragraph conclusion, basically a summary of the chapter. And I have discussion questions at the end. I think this will be a valuable book for somebody who could pick that up and learn from it to be able to have a better understanding of how they can share Christianity and present the gospel instead of just going against Mormonism. I think it's important when we do that, but I think to present Christianity as it really is and to, to take away their preconceived notions, or I call them straw men arguments against Christianity. If you can take those away on the scale of evangelism, you just move them one step closer to the gospel, you were successful and let somebody else do the work the next time. And before you know it, they'll come to that turning point where they'll become a Christian. I've seen it happen many, many times. And mm. prayer, let me say this as, as a conclusion here, prayer is so vital. If you're trying to do this in your own power because you're going to win arguments and you're going to show that Latter-day Saint, then this is not the book for you. Uh, this, this is a book that is not meant to slam people over the head with, but rather it's just trying to show you ways that you can do a presentable job, but it's God who wins people. We're just used as part of the process. Mm, it's really well said, brother. Well, guys, we've been talking today with uh, Eric Johnson about his book, Introducing Christianity to Mormons, a Practical and Comparative Guide to What the Bible Teaches. You guys are going to want to go pick this book up. It's easy to read. I love, by the way, just mentioning that really quick. I love the fact that you do the summary at the beginning and the end. I think that's smart. I do that in my own writing, and yeah. it's really an effective way to communicate uh, so, Eric, thank you so much for your time and for the great conversation and uh, continue to pray that the Lord will use the book in you, brother. Hey, thanks for having me on, Dave. I surely appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, 
You can find us on Twitter, at Servants of Grace, on Instagram, at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.